Thank you for joining us. God loves his children. He protects, provides, guides, forgives, and so much more. Therefore, he deserves our trust, praise, glory, honor, obedience, and so much more. Yet we often grieve our Lord by turning from him to do things our way rather than turn to him in obedience. And what does God do? He gives us what we don't deserve, his love, grace, and mercy. He continues to teach and develop us, and he is always available to us. The question is, when will we always be available to him? Have Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander speaks to us. So there there are spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. He on earth, Satan roams and he moves. Up where the birds fly and the clouds and the rain comes, the sun, the rain comes. That's a, that's a part of heaven too, but that's, that's like the first heaven. Then you got the celestial, the celestial sphere uh, where the moon and the stars and Pluto and Mars and Venus and all of that. That's the second heaven. Satan is all up in there too. You, you know, even the moon been contaminated because wherever man goes, you know, it's messed up now. <laughs> <laughs> they're messing wherever they go they're gonna mess it up the moon's messed up now you know because man's been there he, he contaminates everything he puts his hand on and so he works up there and and the only place where, where satan is not is in the third heaven but it's but some some kind of way according to scripture he's given access because the scripture says he accuses us day and night he's He's trying to say, look what she did. Look what he did. Look at her. Look at that lie she told. And God has to come to your defense and say, yes, but it's covered with the blood of Jesus Christ. And he's forgiven to the glory of God. Amen. One day he's going to even be denied that access. Uh, But that's so much for that. I wish I could talk about demonology a while. It's quite fascinating. D, believing God is the only way to live the victorious Christian life. Believing God is the only way to live the victorious Christian life. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives the victory as you trust and live for the Lord. He gives us victory over temptation. That's right. When you trust God, you don't have to live. You don't have to uh, yield to every temptation that Satan puts in front of you. Uh, as you live for Christ, he gives you victory over worry. Oh, All of us in here have been victimized by worry. And that's one of the sins that is so hard not to do. Don't you agree with me? It is so easy to worry. Even when we know what the scripture says about it. And actually worrying is a sin. It is a sin. The Bible, there are a lot of passages. I can't go into all of that. But tells us that we shouldn't worry but trust God. Uh, He gave us the victory over fear. He gives a victory over depression. Some people are going to the wrong places, psychotherapists and all these things for depression. Some people think they can medicate their depression away. Now, don't don't say I'm, I said don't use any of your medicine. You don't don't you sue me? I, I, I didn't say that, but I'm just saying some of y'all think medicine is a cure all for everything, and you don't have Jesus engaged in any part of it. And uh, you'll go to a psychologist before you go to Doctor Jesus. That's dangerous. Uh, suicidal tendencies are on the rise. Someone under my voice is contemplating suicide. Those thoughts come you know, because you're in a hard place. You're in times of difficulty. You, 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 you're in dire straits and suicide is priority to you. And I want to say that nothing's too hard for God 
And don't you give up like that. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You have purpose. You have worth. You have value. As long as you have breath in your body, there's purpose. God has a plan for your life. Anytime you're contemplating suicide, that's the devil telling you to kill yourself. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, says the gospel of John chapter 10, verse 10. Suicidal thoughts are always of the devil because he wants to wipe you out. That's one less Christian he has to worry about on this side. When you walk with God and trust him, you win the struggle over addictions, over talking too much, over pornography, uh, addictions, over greed and money and pleasure and television and social media addictions. Uh, Some of you addicted to certain relationships in your life with people. You can't function unless that person, oh, what should I do now? What should I do now? Where should I go? You check in on them before you check in with God. Uh, Sexual immorality. It's so pervasive in, in the world, but sadly it's all over the church. And God says he sees you. Some of y'all think God has blinders on. And as God knows what some of you were last night, what he knows what hotel you've been in. He, he knows he, he knows uh, uh, that that business trip that you weren't on, that your wife or husband thought you were on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And God, God even knows the lustful thoughts in your mind. Your mind is all engaged in another sex and uh, and uh, and your wife don't even know it. You've committed adultery in your mind. You say, well, I might who has gone do it. You bet not. Now, that's double trouble, buddy. It's trouble enough to spin it in your mind, but when you act it out and live and carry it out, yeah, that's a double whipping. Some of you are addicted to anger. You, you live in a spirit of anger. Are you just a hot mess? Everything makes you angry. Politics make you angry. Stop looking at it. Stop looking at it. You get so upset. With, with people in office and, oh, you just mad. Oh, that president. Oh, that senator. Oh, that government. Oh, stop looking at it. Stop looking at it. Look at your Bible. C- calm down. You just look at that stuff and then you get mad. If it's going to make you mad, why are you looking at it? Well, y'all not saying amen. Say amen. You know it make you mad and you go back and look at it some more. <laughs> <You see? laughs> Some of y'all addicted to idolatry. You, you, you're messed up because of idolatry and you can't live the victorious Christian life. You make idols out of everything. It's all about you. You, make, you can be an idol. You can make an idol out your dog or your cat. You know your dog and cat is an idol when, you, when you, they're in the basket at the grocery store. You push them around. Talking about that's a therapy dog. If he's a therapy dog, why are you pushing him? Get out and let that rascal walk. <laughs> Let me go. Believing God gives us hope and confidence as we encounter hardships, trials, persecution, temptation, and even death. Believing God gives us hope and confidence as we encounter hardships, trials, persecution, temptation, and even death. I love this passage. Romans chapter 8. Verses 38 and 39, it says, and I am convinced that nothing, say nothing, Nothing. say it again, nothing Nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Are you that persuaded? Are you that convinced? Neither death nor life, 
neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from the love of God. No power in the sky. I told you Satan operates up there too. I just said that. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever. Look at that. Look at the confidence with which Paul speaks. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. What confidence. What confidence. That emboldens us. That helps us to be courageous in wicked times. Beloved, let absolutely nothing stop you from believing Christ, which will cause you to doubt him through the calamities of life and separate you from God. I said again, let absolutely nothing stop you from believing Christ. You believe Christ through hardships. You believe Christ through difficult people. Believe Christ through layoffs. Believe, believe Christ through sickness. Believe Christ through misunderstandings. Believe Christ when you're tired. Believe Christ when uh, folk backstab you. Be, believe Christ when you don't know what to do. Believe Christ when you mess up with the best of intentions. Believe Christ. Beloved, let absolutely nothing stop you from believing Christ, which will cause you to doubt him through the calamities of life and separate you from him. That's what Satan wants to do. He wants to separate you from God. That's what Satan wants to do. Uh, secondly, you know revival has come when we repent, turn to God, and forsake our sins. We know revival has come when we repent, turn to God, and forsake our sins. The people of Nineveh proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth regardless of status. They repented. Regardless of age, they repented. Regardless of their influence, they repented. They weren't so up there. The position wasn't so powerful that they didn't repent. The position did not matter when they knew they were about to be destroyed by God. Verses 5b and verse 8 in the text says, The people proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily. Say mightily. They cried to God with all their heart. They cried to God in all due sincerity. They cried to God, pleading with him for their condition. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Beloved, since absolutely no one is beyond repentance, when was the last time you fell under conviction by the Holy Spirit and cried out to God in repentance and turned from God from, from, and turned from your sins to God? 
I say it again. Absolutely no one is beyond repentance. When was the last time you fell under conviction by the Holy Spirit and cried out to God in repentance and turned from your sins to God? That's revival. Turning from your sins to God. Number three, there is no revival apart from taking decisive action in response to our sinful spiritual condition. There is no revival apart from taking decisive action in response to our sinful spiritual condition. The king of Nineveh, just like the, just imagine the president today, the king of Nineveh took action. He humbled himself and repented by taking off his robe, covering himself with sackcloth and sitting in ashes. He got dirty in ashes. He wasn't concerned about uh, the ashes getting on his clothes or the ashes getting on his body. You don't worry about spots on things when your soul has been all spotted up. Verse six says, then the word came to the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. What would it be like I told y'all to come in here and I want you to humble yourself and we got ashes all over. The, I will, I, I'm going to lead the way. I'm going to take off my coat in humble submission to God and I'm going to sit in ashes and I'm going to ask you to take off your coat. Now I'm not going to ask you to get naked now. Just take, take off as much as you can and sit in ashes and mourn over your sin, mourn over your lies, mourn over your wretchedness, mourn over your rebellion. This is what the king did. He covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. Why did he sit in ashes? It was a symbol of humility. Sit in ashes was contrition. It was a sign of being broken before God. The people's repentance was a supernatural work of God. The people's repentance was a supernatural work of God. God was supernaturally working in the hearts of people. Number four, revival in the church must come through her leadership. Revival in the church must come through her leadership. The church cannot be any more spiritual than her leadership. Spiritual leadership, spiritual church. Unspiritual leadership, unspiritual church. And the reason so many churches are unspiritual is because the leadership is unspiritual. The leadership plays game. The leadership promote themselves. The leadership has hidden agendas. The leadership seeking, seeking power and control and selfishness and all these things. The king of Nineveh passed an edict and proclaimed a fast for the entire nation. Verse 7 says, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles saying, let neither man nor beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. That's a serious fast now, y'all. The animals can't drink. The, 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 the cows can't drink. The horses can't drink. The oxen can't drink. The chickens can't drink. 
When he proclaimed that fast, it was not just for people. He says, I even want the animals to go on a fast because I don't want to see destruction come to Nineveh. What if the leadership of our nation passed such an edict and proclaimed a fast for all of America today? If such an edict were passed today, there would be an outcry from civil liberties advocates saying you cannot do this because of separation of church and state. Peter would also protest to protect the interests of animals, which were also put on a fast. But this is exactly what America needs today. And God is sending warning signs to America. We must repent lest we receive judgment from Almighty God. The signs are all around us. Behold the destructiveness of political correctness. Behold the destructive of countless of millions of babies being aborted. Behold gender confusion. Behold earthquakes. Behold tornadoes and hurricanes, floods, wildfires, and mass shootings all over our nations like we're seeing unfolding before our eyes right now. America is clueless about her spiritual condition and is ripe for imminent judgment. They come out and talk the political game about gun control and this control and that control. But I'm going to tell you what, America has lost control. You cannot legislate sin out of the heart. Did you hear what I just said? You cannot legislate sin out of the heart. What's wrong is that America needs to repent and return to God. Number five, you know that true revival has come when there is an inner longing and a deep desire for God's people to cry out to him. And turn from their wicked ways. You know that true revival has come when there is an inner longing and a deep desire for God's people to cry out to him and turn from their wicked ways. Jonah chapter 3 verse 10 says, when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways. Underline, underline that down. Underline, they had put a stop to their evil ways. They stopped. They didn't repent and then, and then they kept doing it. They repented, stop, turn to God. And see, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. The problem with America is that we won't even stop. Nothing wrong with us. Genuine revival cannot come until we recognize and acknowledge our sins before God by crying out to him for repentance. And immediately turning from our sins to God. That's repentance. And that's revival. Listen to David as he cries out to God because of his sin. His adulterous relationship with Bathsheba. Uh, look what he says in Psalms 51 verses 1 through 4a. Have mercy on me. He had committed adultery. Here's the king. Here's the king. Crying out to God. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, God. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sins. 
For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you. He didn't say everybody else. He didn't say the sermon was for somebody else. It's everybody else's fault. If this didn't happen, I wouldn't be in this mess. No, it's, it's me. Say it's me. It's me. He says, he said, Lord, against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 1 John 1.9 also says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's not one sin that God will not forgive if you cry out in sincerity to God saying, Lord, have mercy on my sins. I've sinned against you. Uh, Lord, I failed you. I acknowledge my sins. I blot out my sins, O God. Wash me with your blood, O God. I said what I should have said, should not have said. I've done what I should not have done. Uh, I've allowed myself to get carried away with myself. Have mercy, O God. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In closing, since all of us have sinned by our words, how many of you said things you wish you can get back? Everybody in here, if you, your hand not up, you know you're lying to yourself. Since all of us have sinned by our words, how many of you thought some things that were sinful and even wicked? Raise your hand. You're still playing games with yourself if you can't raise your hand. First of all, if you're going to get help, you've got to realize you're a sinner. You've got to realize you've sinned and come short of his glory. Since all of us have sinned by our words, that includes me. I've sinned by my thoughts, and so have you, saying, so have I. I've sinned by my actions, say, so have I. My actions have been despicable for God. We all need to repent. We all need to confess and renounce our sins so that we all can live holy and live to please and glorify Christ. It's not about you. It's about God. It's about Christ. It's about the leading of the Holy Spirit. Beloved, today is a great day to repent of sin. Today is a great day to repent of the sin of lying. Today is a great day to repent of cheating and stealing. Some of you have stolen underhandedly. Many of you have stolen from God. Won't even give him the tithe, 10 cents out of a dollar. Some of you sin with your with profanity. You cuss at a moment's notice. You cuss folk out and go eat, eat a steak and burp. Cuss at the car that died in the head of you. You cuss them out. Repent of drugs, legal drugs and illegal drugs. Repent of sexual immorality. Repent of premarital sex. You having sex with someone you're not married to, then you have sinned. Repent of adultery. Repent of homosexuality. Repent of lust. Repent of greed. Repent of idolatry. Repent of hate. Repent of racial prejudice. Repent of bitterness. We must also repent of selfishness. We must repent of gossip. We must repent of negativity. We must repent of a judgmental spirit. We must repent of slander. We must repent of laziness. That's why some of you can't get nothing done. You're lazy. We need to repent of jealousy. 
Repent of sensual attire. Things too tight. Too revealing. See through stuff. Splits too deep. Showcasing your body. See more skin than clothes. You need to repent of a bad attitude. Repent of a spirit of anger. Some of you need to repent of procrastination. That's why you can't get anything done. That's why the house looks like it does. The garage looks like it does. That's why everything is still a mess. Leave it. Just about everything half done. And blame everybody but yourself. That's why you can't finish your education. That's why you can't finish projects. That's why you can't come to church. That's why you can't disciple anybody. Because it's all about you. Procrastination. Some of you, when I send the invitation, you're going to say, well, no, I won't come this Sunday. I'll come next Sunday. I'll come first Sunday in October. I'll come second Sunday in November. I'll come uh, third Sunday in December. Matter of fact, I'll just wait till the new year and you, you can be dead by midnight. Procrastination is the, one of the chief tools that Satan used to damn your soul to hell. Will you come to Jesus today so that he can save your soul, cleanse your life, and make you whole? Again, I say to you, will you come to Jesus today so that he can save your soul, cleanse your life, and make you whole? Or, let me put it this way, do you even want to be made well? And all God's children said, let's pray. And Father, we thank you for this word. It's sobering, convicting, riveting. And we're here today, Lord, because we mean business about God. Come to church with the wrong motives. Come to church looking down on folk. Being arrogant. Cutting deals, making sales. Watching what folk wear, sitting in judgment instead of searching your own heart. Bad motives, caught up in positions and titles. What does it cost a man to gain the whole world and then lose his soul? The more you bless us, Father, the more humble we ought to be. The more holy we ought to be. Help us, O oh God. Strip us, O oh God. May we deny ourselves and keep you front and center in Jesus name and all God's children said if you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages service times directions to the church upcoming events and much more You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.